Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Father, we thank you so much. It's already getting rowdy up in this place, God, but uh, it's for you. Oh, we're ready to give you some worship. We're ready to give you some praise. We're ready for somebody's life to change in this place today. That's why we came. We want to see life change. God, I don't know what people are carrying with them right now, but I do know that they have a God who loves them. They have a God who wants to speak directly to them. God, I'm asking specifically for that. Send your spirit into this place, God. Anoint this word, um, and, and God, change someone's life. Set somebody free. Do what only you can do, and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says? Amen. Amen. Man, it is good to be at my home, away from home. Celebrate church. How we doing? No, no, no. How we doing? See, I already know that I already know this is the crazy section. This is, I like that. That's right where I belong probably. So, um, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Monty and um, I lead a church uh, in Omaha called Meadows Church. And uh, we've been a church for less than two years, but before my family and I moved there a couple years ago, we lived here. Like my, family, my wife and I were both raised in this area, small towns and moved here and we're part of Celebrate Church. In fact, I will never forget the first time we stepped foot in here about, well, probably almost a dozen years ago, about 11 and a half years ago. By the way, look up here. If this is your first time at Meadows Church, listen, welcome home. We're really glad that you're here. God brought you here to give you a word that if you let it, will change your life, I promise you. It did us. When my wife and I first walked in here, stumbled in here would be a better way to put it, Jake, he was just a newborn baby. Was he, now he's 11, 11 and a half years old, wow. Uh, Ava was two years old, and uh, we grew up, at, Jody and I grew up in traditional church, so there was no kids ministry, so I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. So we walked in, and they were like loving us and welcoming us. I'm like, first of all, I'm thinking, what are you people smoking here, man? People are happy, you know? I knew what I was smoking, and that wasn't right, but what are you smoking, I thought. See, what you need to understand about me is um, I was messed up when I walked in the doors. I had just gotten off the, uh, the heels of a second drug rehab, had a drug addiction that I'd hid from my wife and my family and friends, and was literally ripping my life and the people around me apart. Some of you, are, you already can relate. You already know that it may, it may not be addiction, it might be something else, but, but you're not at a place where you want to be. But this is why God would bring you here today. That, that's what he's doing. So we walked in, and, and right away they're welcoming, and they're like, hey, can we, can we take your kids, and we'll watch your kids, and you and your wife can go in and worship? And I thought to myself, like, for free? I mean, yes, you can take our kids. Like, some of you are reluctant. It's like, no, I'm going to keep little Susie with me. I love her so much. Not us. I was like, take them. We love them. But if you want to have them for an hour, knock yourself out. We loved it. So they, they checked our kids in, and we came in here and enjoyed worship. And it was amazing. Like, it was life-changing. And it was just the beginning. And we kept coming back, and eventually God would get a hold of me in a mighty way and my family and do amazing things. And I was sitting right back, right back over there when I, when I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I'll never forget it. And the very next day I called the church because I was compelled to do something. And I knew that God was calling me because once you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're gonna be compelled to do something. He just does that. It's what the Spirit does. He, you can't stop it. So I called and I started serving in that kids ministry. Oh, I loved it. Love serving with the kids. Serve faithfully at Celebrate Church and the kids ministry for three years. 
And I was good with it. I thought, I'm just going to serve, give my life away, go to church, attend a service, serve a service, talk to people about Jesus out in my job. And that, that was my plan. Well, God had different plans. About three years in, Celebrate said, hey, do you want to come on staff? We're going to start a campus across town. We think, you know, you're a good leader. You could lead the kids' ministry, birth through fifth grade. And I thought, okay, yeah. I mean, if you want to pay me to do what I'm doing here, that's awesome. You know, I thought, that's just the great thing. So I did that, and we launched this campus across town, and God was all over it. Like, it's growing, and it's crazy. And, but 11 months into that church campus, God did something that I was not expecting. Like, I was not prepared for the conversation that was about to happen. So 11 months in, Pastor Keith sat in my office, came to my office right here, and oh, by the way, by the way, somebody told me that it's Pastor Keith and Kay's 30th anniversary. We should give it up for our pastor. Love you so much, Pastor. I mean, that's awesome. I'll say, I'm sure Pastor Keith is gonna watch one of these services. Pastor, I don't know why you took a chance on a drug addict like me, but I'm glad that you did. Thank you so much. It's amazing. Man, if he can do it in me, what does God want to do in you today? That's my question. Think about that. So, but I was not prepared for what was about to happen. Keith sits down in my office and he says, Monty, he says, the campus pastor is gonna transition to another role in the church and we think you should be the new campus pastor. And I think my response was, what you talking about, Willis? You know, now, it, if you're under 35, you have no idea what that meant. And that's so no big deal. That's okay. That's okay. Just Google it later. But I thought, you're crazy. I said, I am no pastor. Like, I'm still messed up. I'm still jacked up. Ask my wife. She'll tell you, Keith. Don't, you don't want, I mean, you don't, I can lead people. I can love people. I can share hope. I can do that, but I'm not a pastor. And Keith's like, you just described a pastor. Like, you, you can do that. And I'm like, I don't have the schooling. I don't have, he said, we'll get you in school. We'll get you a degree. We'll walk alongside you. So as this is sinking in, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe. I'm like, is this real? And so I'm like, okay, okay. I'm getting my bearings about me. And I'm like, Keith, okay, talk to me. Tell me, what, what, what are we thinking here? Are we thinking three months? Are we thinking six months? When would this happen? And Keith's like, I was thinking the Sunday. I was like, <gasps> Sunday? Are you kidding? Like, I would not know where to begin. I, I, I feel like a mosquito at a nudist colony. It's like, where do I start? You know, it's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. Oh, he's already talking about nudity. This is going to go downhill from here. So. so I did it. I stepped into that role, and God would start to do supernatural things. And, and so, so I, I, but, but I, but I want to go back to the point where he sat down, and I wasn't prepared for what God had. I wasn't ready for it. And some of you, I want to help prepare you today. God wants to prepare you for something about your purpose. Say purpose. purpose. See, you've got a purpose. You were created to do something that nobody else will do. You were created to be somebody no one else will be. Okay, that's the truth. So you have a purpose. And, and, and the purpose that I'm gonna share with you today is about hope. Say hope. Oh, is that a beautiful word? Oh my gosh, if there's one word that would describe our church, hope. Hope is in this place. Some of you, you walked in here hopeless. You walked in here desperate. You walked in here struggling. I'm gonna tell you, you stepped into the right place this morning because God is gonna show up in your life if you let him. Oh my gosh, be prepared. This is the story of Peter. This is the story of the series that you, you've been in called Living God's Way. I need to start with a scripture out of 1 Peter 3.15. I spit a little bit, so don't let that throw you off, unless you're in the front row. See, at the front row at Meadows Church, we call it the spit zone. We got like ponchos, they say metals on them, it's great. So um, anyway, back to scripture. So 1 Peter 3.15 
but in your hearts, set apart, say set apart, set apart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. That's what we're talking about. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. My question is, like if you're in Christ today, that means if you have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, if someone were to ask you, why would you go to church like on a Sunday morning? There's a lot of places you could be. There's a lot of things you could be doing, but you chose to be here. Why? Like what would you tell them? What is the reason? I wanna give you a reason. I wanna give you hope. I wanna share with you what God says, how we can be prepared. Hope is a beautiful thing. But the world's definition of hope is way different than what we would say, okay? Can we agree that in our world, we need hope desperately? We do. We are desperate for it. You don't have to get on social media for more than about two and a half seconds to realize we are in desperate need of hope, okay? So the world's definition, hope is an optimistic outlook, okay? I hope my marriage changes. I hope my kids get on the right path. I hope whatever. But the Christian definition, you got to add something to it. It's an optimistic outlook based on powerful promises, okay? Po promises that you find in the word of God. This is why hope is so incredible. See, do you know that, I don't know if you know this or not, but the, like the suicide rate for young, young kids is the highest it's ever been. Do you know what that means to me? It means that hope is more void than it's ever been. See, when you get to a point where you're ready to cash it in like that, you've gotten to a point of zero hope. Some of you, you might be about at that place right now. Again, welcome home. Again, God loves you. Again, God has got a word for you in this place today. I'm telling somebody, the hope is a beautiful thing. Hope is a, like Titus 1, 2. This, Titus is a book in the New Testament. Listen, this truth about hope gives us confidence of eternal life. There's hope in that, which God promised us before the world began. And he cannot lie. So your hope is tied directly to something else. It's tied to your purpose. Again, say purpose. In fact, take it a step farther. Turn to two people and tell them you have a purpose. Tell two people right now, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. You've got a purpose. You have a purpose. And I'm here to boldly tell you that your purpose, at least part of that purpose, is sharing hope with others. This is the whole, the world is so desperate for it. And God has called us to be senders of it and speakers of it. And that's what we're talking about. We're sharing hope. Jesus, some of the last words that Jesus ever spoke, King Jesus, before he died was in Acts 1.8. So Jesus, now he's already died on the cross. He's already risen from the dead. He's already hung out for about 40, day, 40 days with his, with his bros. And now he's getting ready to ascend back up into heaven and send his Holy Spirit. So Jesus, listen to what he says. These are his marching orders. He says, you will receive power. Say power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my hope dealers, telling people about me everywhere. So we're gonna start in Jerusalem. We're gonna take it through Judea, onto Samaria, and on to the ends of the earth. This is what he says. Sharing our hope, 1 Peter 3.15, I gotta put it before us again. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone, amen, who asks you to give an account for the hope that's in you. This is the beauty. And here's what I love about hope. It's not as difficult as you think it is. Like sharing your hope with others, it's, it's, it's not about like memorizing scripture, though that's a great thing, and sharing scripture. Okay, that's not bad, but that's not what I'm talking about. It, see, here's the thing about that. You and I, we can debate scripture all day long, honestly. We can. Like, we can debate theology 
until the cows come home. It's just like, you know, well, I don't know about Noah. You know, you're telling me this dude and his family built some huge boat in a desert. It never rained. And that really, I mean, you're telling me they herded uh, these animals two by two. You ever tried to herd cats? I mean, come on. You know, on that note, let me, I, gotta, I get off track, so just bear with me. On that note about cats, sometimes when I preach at Meadows in Omaha, I'll, I'll kind of make fun of cats. And I'm, I just do it because I used to have roommates that had cats, and these were the weirdest little creatures I'd ever seen. And uh, so I'll make fun of cats. One time, a couple that had come to Meadows for a couple, a couple times, they wanted to go out to lunch and meet and just, and just share some thoughts about the church. I'm like, oh boy. So, you know, they want to share, you know, what they like and what they don't like. I'm like, oh, geez, God, take me out. Anyway, so, but I went out. I want to hear their story and I want to get to know them. So I'm meeting them and they're like, oh, pastor, we love your preaching style. Oh, we love that you preach the word boldly. We love that the church is so welcoming and loving. I'm like, okay. They sound like all great things. And then the gal says, well, you know, but what I don't like, you kind of make fun of cats. And I, then I kid you not, this is true. She said, you make fun of cats, and I have a lot of cats in my house. They give me moral support and all this. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, ma'am, okay, I, I, I'm just kind of kidding when I say that. I said, I don't hate cats. Actually, I think they taste pretty good, you know? So, what, you know, whatever. So, you know, they never came back. They didn't come back. I don't, I don't get it. So they just, I don't know, whatever. So uh, sharing your story. Back to Noah and the, and the ark. There was a husband and a wife, and they were arguing. She was on board with everything the Bible said. She believed it all. Husband did not believe any of it. He said, I don't believe Noah and the ark. I don't believe Jonah got swallowed by a fish. I don't believe about the, the creation story. And she said, I don't care what you believe. I believe it. And she said, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah, and I'll ask Noah. And he said, well, what if they ain't there? She said, well, then you can ask them. So I'm just saying. All right, well, there we go. <laughs> sharing your story. Well, pastor, I don't have a great story. I wasn't some drug addict who had ruined lives and trashed everything. I, I didn't lose everything and found Jesus. I, didn't, I wasn't homeless. I, and my first question to you would be, do you really want that? I mean, seriously, we can make that happen. I know some people. So, I mean, do you want that? But your story, by the way, isn't about how bad you were. Your testimony is not about how bad you were. Your testimony is about how actually good that your God is. That's what your testimony should be about anyway, shouldn't it? I mean, honestly, he's the good God. He changes lives. Oh, man, T tell people about the hope that you found in him. Tell them how he's taken that hurt and he's turned it into healing. Tell them how he's taken that struggle and he somehow made you stronger. Tell them that story. That'll resonate with them. That'll change them. You, you, listen to me. We can debate theology all day long, but you can't dispute it changed life. That person was dead and now they're alive. That person was here and now they're there. That's what I'm talking about. The power of a story. And you all have a story. You all, and, it all, and, and, and every story matters to God. Every story. Every story matters to God. But I want to give you a couple, I guess, helpful hints when it comes to sharing your story. Because there's a way to do it and a way not to do it. Number one, in you sharing your story, I want to encourage you, be gentle. Say Gentle. Be gentle. Listen to Peter. Listen to what he writes. Always be ready. There are those three words again. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone, yet with gentleness. I mean, are we gentle when we share the word? Are we doing it in love? Or are we taking our Bible and we're beating people over the head with it saying, you need to believe what I believe. You need to act how I think you should act. I mean, that's not going to help. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, probably the most ungentle environment 
out there right now, and I'm not anti-social media, right? It can, but, but people, it's easy to hide behind a computer screen and, and, and tell people what you think and tell people how they're wrong and you're right. And that's so, it's so, you're not gonna reach anybody, okay? I, like if I was in Congress, which that would be scary, but if I was, I'd make a rule. You gotta pass a test before you can get social media, okay? You gotta pass a lot of tests before you get an account. And, or, or I just put five people behind you, five people that are bigger than you, and they gotta read everything you're about to hit send on. And if they don't like it, they can get up and slap you alongside the head, okay? That's, that's my legislation, vote for me, okay? So I just, some people should not, don't hit send. You ever, get, you ever have those friends, you look at what they post, you're like, oh, why did you, you know, gen every day, amen. Gentleness, gentleness is huge. G uh, Peter talks about it again when he's, well, first of all, let me give you a quote. Francis de Sales, this quote is short but powerful. Nothing is so strong as gentleness. People, we speak the truth in love, but love needs, love needs to come first. The relationship needs to come first. We're, in this world that we live in, there are hot topics, and we know what they are. I don't need to tell you. You need to live this certain way, or you need to live a certain lifestyle and all this stuff. If you, don't even talk about it unless you have a relationship with somebody, okay? You're not gonna, I mean... You have to know, you gotta love the person. You've gotta be gentle. First Peter 2.12, listen to this. Live such good lives, such gentle, say gentle, gentle, respectful lives among people that even though they might insult you at first, they're going to turn around and they're going to praise God and glorify God on the day when he visits. In other words, they, they may not like what you're saying, but the way that you're saying it is so loving. The way that you're, you're, you're not agreeing with the way that they're living or what they're doing, but because you're so attractive and loving to them, they're, they're, they can't help but be drawn to you. This is the way Jesus did it. So, so Jesus did it with gentleness and he also did it with confidence. That's the second point. So be gentle and be confident. Say confident. Confident. Be confident in your faith. Be confident in your Jesus. Again, I gotta take you back to the king. Well, let me take you back to 1 Peter First, again, and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are being slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. The way that you live is so undeniably amazing that they're, they're, they're just naturally, here, let me share something with you. At the end of the day, we can declare a lot from the stage. We can de declare a lot on social media. We can de declare a lot out of our mouths. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you declare. It matters what you demonstrate. Okay, that's really, what faith without works is what? Dead. It matters what we demonstrate. We have to love. We have a saying at Meadows, you don't need to believe what we believe to belong. We say you don't even need to behave to belong. That's how I get in the doors every week. I'm like, thank you. So, but we, you gotta love them where they're at. But this confidence, Jesus, the king, was both gentle and confident. If you've never read the story of the woman at the well, this is John 4. Oh my gosh, that's your first marching orders today. This week, read that story. It won't take you long, but it will change your life. Okay, this woman, I'll give you a quick summary. This woman goes to a well to get water in the heat of the day. No one would go get, I mean, it got hot in the Middle East. And no one would go at this time because it was blazing. You know why she went in the middle of the day? She didn't want to see anybody. Do you know why she didn't want to see anybody? Shame guilt, heaviness. Some of you, you walked in here with such shame. 
and such guilt over your past mistakes, Jesus can set you free today. Jesus can make you new today. It's what he's in the business of doing. She, she didn't want to see anybody. So who shows up? The King Jesus. He shows up because he knows she's going to be there. So he meets her at this well, and she's got three strikes against her already before she even opens her mouth. Number one, she's a woman. And back in that day, they, they were considered second class. Number two, she's a woman with a reputation. And that wasn't good either. And number three, she was a half-breed, which means she wasn't pure Jew and she wasn't pure Gentile, but she was a mix. See, racism's been around a long time. It was, it was around back in Jesus' day, and it's unfortunately still around today, but she dealt with all of that. So she's carrying all that with her, and she's feeling like about like this, and Jesus meets her. And Jesus has a way to take people from this to this. Jesus starts speaking to her in such a gentle, confident way that she's drawn to him. He didn't condone what she was doing. Read the story, you'll see that. He didn't condone where she had been and what she had done. Read the story, you'll see that. But she was so drawn to this man. And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says in John 4.10, oh, this is good. Jesus replied, if you only knew, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, I can stop right there. If you only knew the gift that God has for you, if you only knew who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. I mean, you don't need this anymore. And it changed her. Like, listen to what, and then he goes on to tell her, I am the Messiah. He says it straight up. I am all that you will ever need. I am the one that you're looking for. It is me. I will fill your cup. I will make you new. And listen to what it says in John 4, 28. The woman left. Say left. Okay, that's insane. The very thing that she went to do, trekked there to do in the blazing sun, was to get, not leave. She leaves the very thing she came for, the jug and the water. She leaves it by the well, runs back to the village, telling everyone. Everybody, sharing hope, say hope. Sharing hope, telling everybody. It's, that's insane, you would leave the very thing you came for? But, but she didn't need that anymore, you know why? She didn't need the water that was, in the, that was in the jug because she had the living water running through her. See, when you have that, you don't need what you came for. You can leave that wherever. You don't, I'm not going there anymore, I don't need you anymore. I'm going that way, because Jesus is that way, okay? And hope is that way, and my friends are that way, and they need Jesus too. That's what she did, telling everyone. And did it, did it impact people's lives? Well, let's see what scripture says. John 4, 39. Many, say many, a lot of Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because what the woman had said. They share, she shared her hope and people's lives were changed. This is the key. You share your story, it changes somebody else's story. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of your story. I love that. We have kind of a saying at this church, we have the same thing at my church. Lost people matter. They matter. That's why Jesus came. Okay, lost people, this is why we do series called At The Movies. Are we doing that to entertain people? Are we doing that to be culturally relevant? We're cool? No, we're doing it because it draws people in. And we'll do whatever it takes to reach the next person for Jesus Christ in our church. I love that. I love that. There are people, I don't care how much you, you share some people, Jesus is not on the radar. Church is not on the radar. But the Avengers are on the radar, right? Iron Man's on the radar. They like that. I love it. I love it. People, do whatever it takes to get them in here so they can hear a word of hope and love. I love that. 
I tell people all the time at Meadows Church, I'm like, I need you guys meeting new people. I need you guys sharing your story. I need you guys inviting others. And sometimes people are like, you know, well, pastor, you know, I'll pray about it. And I tell them straight up, okay, that's one thing you don't need to pray about, okay? This pastor will tell you, don't pray about inviting others. Never do that. You don't need to pray about inviting others to his church. God wants you to invite people to his church. Don't pray about it. You don't need to. That's ridiculous. Well, I don't know. If God wants his church to grow, he'll grow it. Okay, my response to that is bull, okay? I actually have a more explicit response, but this is being recorded right now, so I can't say it. But bull, okay? God wants his church to grow. Jesus Christ did not hang on a cross for his church to not grow, okay? We're not called to maintain a celebrate church. We are called to multiply. We are called to go and share our hope with other people. This is what God is calling us to do. This is the church he's calling us to be. Oh, we need hope. And then once we have it, we need to share it. Why? Because found people find people. Okay, repeat it after me. Found people find people. Found people find people. Pastor, what are you talking about, found people? What do you mean? I mean, when you have Jesus Christ in you, when you have surrendered your life to Jesus, when you have called on the name of the Lord, when you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he died on a cross and he rose for you three days later to take away all your sin, all your dysfunction, all your mess, and you surrender your life, it means the Holy Spirit enters you and it finds you. That's a found person. And when that happens, you are compelled. I mean, you're gonna hear my heart a little bit here that I think... You know, the devil, the, the Bible says the devil is kind of the ruler of this world. He's kind of has free reign right now. And I think a lot of people have been deceived. And I'll tell you, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you because that was me. See, I've had, I've had head knowledge of Jesus Christ all my life. I've always believed in Jesus, always. Never doubted the crucifixion, never doubted the resurrection, never doubted any of that. I have not always had the Holy Spirit living in me. There's a difference. The Bible says the devils believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus more than us. He's never doubted Jesus, trust me. Demons believe in Jesus. So there's something else. And I truly believe with all my heart that there are a lot of people who, who was like me most of my life. They would, they, would, they would have this head knowledge and I believe in Jesus, but, but, but the, whole, the Holy Spirit isn't changing them. Like if you haven't had a desire to meet new people in the last year, or you haven't invited, or you haven't shared hope, there's a very good chance the Holy Spirit isn't in you. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm saying that because that was me. That was me. If, if your salvation hasn't changed you, it probably hasn't saved you. Sharing our hope, sharing our story. Found people, find people. If you don't, you don't have to look any farther than the first church. The first church, remember where I, where I read Acts 1-8 when Jesus gave his marching orders? Well, after Jesus gave his marching orders, he would literally ascend up into heaven. And today he sits physically at the right hand of the Father, but spiritually he's everywhere. And he, and he, and he got a hold of the disciples. And you need to know something. So, so listen to what Acts 8, I need to read it again. When you receive power, or excuse me, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. The question is, do we really believe that? Like, do we believe that the Holy Spirit power literally changes somebody? Yeah. Like, like, I don't, you know, the, the, this God that we see in the Bible that's so powerful, using people, parting water, raising dead people, healing people. Is that power still here today? Yeah. 
Peter, I love this series, can relate so much to Peter. Peter was about as jacked up as you can get. And Peter, it's amazing. So Peter's at a point now where he's leading the church and he's about ready to preach the very first church message ever. But you know what? Less than two months earlier, guess what he was doing? Denying Jesus Christ. Less than two months earlier. They're like, girls are asking him, hey, aren't you that one that hung out with Jesus? No, not me, I don't know the guy. Three times, one of Jesus' best friends says, I don't have a clue who you're talking about. Two months later, he's full of Holy Spirit power and he's changed. See, it changes you. So all of a sudden, Peter, he starts preaching like he's on fire, because he is, and he says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You turn from your sins. You turn to God. Call on the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, it says the church, the first church, went from 120 to over 3,000. And this is amazing. It's like, oh, you know, uh-oh, now it's a mega church, though, right? 3,000, that's kind of big. I'm going to get lost in the shuffle you know, but here's what I don't see God doing there. I don't see God looking down when that happened and saying, Peter, that was too good. Too many people got saved there. Now the church is too big. People are gonna get lost. People are gonna be disconnected. The only way you'll be disconnected at this church is if you choose to be, okay? This is why life groups are absolutely critical. Okay, as this church grows, I don't care if the church is 60 or 60,000. You won't be connected unless you wanna be. And the bigger this church grows, the more that we have to get about the Father's business and being in life groups. Life groups are the purest form of the church. Loving each other, breaking bread together, praying for each other, lifting each other up, being, uh, selling things for each other, helping each other, crying with each other, laughing with each other. It's amazing. What I love so much, though, about the story of the church is when, when Peter got done preaching, it says him and John left the temple, but here's what's nuts. They took the church with them. Because guess what? The church wasn't the temple. The church isn't this. The church is that. That's the church. So, so when you leave here, I love the signs when you leave. Exit. Now church begins. I love that. You're the church. If Christ is in you, you're the church. You take the church with you. And something that I never understood is how closely the church is connected to Jesus. See, I would make, I would make excuses. At 18 years old, I left the church. I'm like, I don't need the church, you know. And I would, I would say what a lot of people say. I have my relationship with Jesus and I don't need some religious entity to like tell me this and that and make me do this and you give money, they want my money. I, I don't need that. So I just made excuses. But the reality was, let's, let's go from excuses to what truth was. Truth was Monty was probably too tired, too busy, too hungover, too whatever to go to church. That's the truth. But Jesus did something. When I gave my life to Christ, all of a sudden I started to open scripture and I learned that the church, say church, the church is the bride of Jesus. I'm like, wow. So I never really understood that. So, so, so to say that I am a Christian and I love Jesus, but I don't really need the church, that is probably one, one of the most anti-biblical things you could ever say. It really is. The reason I say that is because think about this. Would Jesus Christ ever lead you down a path away from his bride? Ever? But pastor, the church is it's scandalous and it's messed up and you know, there's people and they're stealing. You know what? It's jacked up because we're jacked up. So get over it, okay? It's still God's bride and it's still God's plan to save his people. So rather than complain about it, how about you invest in it and watch what God does in your life? Because that's what he'll do. That's what he, there is no perfect church. My gosh, they let me lead a church. Trust me, there's no perfect church. It's, but I'm telling you, 
you sell out to it. If you have a hard time getting here, man, I'm telling you, you pray to Jesus, you surrender more to him today. He will compel you. When I gave my life to Christ, I went from not wanting the church to running to it. I couldn't wait to get in this place. I couldn't wait to worship my Jesus. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. And that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. No doubt about it. Because that's not who I was. They leave the temple, Peter and John. They start walking with the church in them. They walk, they see this guy in Acts 3.9, I think. Crippled. 40 years the dude's been crippled. They walk by him, and you know what the guy asked for? Money. I'm like, how many times do we ask God for something? And God's like, is that what your request is? Like, keep me safe through the night? I mean, that's not a bad prayer, but God's like, I'm a big God. I, 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 I part waters. I raise dead people, and you're praying for that? You know, God, I stubbed my pinky toe. Will you please heal? No, God, God don't care about your dumb pinky toe, okay? He cares about your heart. He cares about your purpose, okay? Pray big prayers. This guy had no idea. And I love what Peter said. Listen to Peter. Peter said, sir, silver or gold for you I don't have, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man got up and he walked. And you know where he went directly to? The church. That's where he went. I love it. When Christ is in you, you will be drawn to his bride. He went to the temple praising Jesus, sharing his story. And the Bible says that Peter saw an opportunity because they're like, that's Bob. Bob's, Bob's been crippled for 40 years and now he's up jumping around. You know, that gets people's attention. And Bob's up jumping around, you know, dancing the Macarena and they're like, holy cow, something is happening. And Peter sees an opportunity. And it says in Acts 4.4, Peter saw an opportunity and he addressed the crowd. And in Acts 4.4, many, say many, many, many people. There are many people gathered at this service today. A lot of numbers. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to God. Many people who heard the message from Peter with Holy Spirit fire believed it. So the church all of a sudden went from over 3,000 to over 5,000. Oh, that's just men. That's not including the women and children. So probably 10, 15,000 people. I mean, that's multiplication. This is the church. This is God moving in men and women. But you know what? Anytime God's doing something great in your life, you're gonna have enemies, okay? I know you got one and he's going, he's going to act for everything that you love. Listen to me, you wanna be surrounded by God's miracles? I know you do. Get used to being surrounded by his enemies, okay? It's just, it comes with the territory, but trust me, you want that. I'd rather have an enemy chasing me with Jesus in me than be in some safe zone without him. God's got a purpose for your life. Enemies, the religious people, they didn't like what they saw. They missed the miracle. Bob's been healed, but they miss it. How do you miss that? Bob's dancing the Macarena and you're missing it? How? But they missed it. And they're ticked off at Peter and John. So they bring them in and they're bewildered. They're like, oh my gosh, Bob's healed and you two were with him, and you two are just like, the Bible says they were just ordinary people. It says uneducated. And they're like, they can't, they're, they're just like, how? They even ask the question. Here's what they ask. By what power or whose name have you done this? Because we know it couldn't have been you two. It could not have been you two. And Peter, I love it. Let me clearly, let me clearly state to you and to everybody of Israel, he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. 
That's what he says. That He don't care. He don't care. And you know what they told him? They said, all right, fine. But well, you better shut up about it. Don't be talking about Jesus anymore on my watch. That's what they told him. And they had the right to tell him. And they had the power to tell him. They could have hurt, messed up John and Peter big time. You keep talking this Jesus character. We killed him. We nailed him to a cross. So he's gone. They didn't know. Three days later, right? They didn't know. They didn't believe. So they tell him, knock it off. Don't you preach anymore. Listen to what Peter says. Acts 4.20. We can't stop. Say, we can't stop. We can't stop. Like, we can't. He says, we can't stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. He says, we can't stop doing it. We won't stop doing it. I mean, you can beat us. You can whip us. You can stone us. You can lock us up and throw away the freaking key. But we're not going to stop sharing hope in this place today. That's what they said. That's what they said. And that's what God is calling us to do. Share your hope. Share your story. Yet as I get excited, yet as I tell you about sharing your hope, there are people in this place today, you literally are one step away. I mean, there's, you don't see hope, but this is why God would bring you here. You don't see that there's any chance. Trust me, 11 and a half years ago, I can relate. Dead on the inside. Hollow on the inside. Hopeless on the inside. Listen to me. Boy, if God can do something in me, what do you think he wants to do in you? There's hope in this place today, okay? There's hope in your marriage that you thought was over. There's hope in that addiction that is kicking your butt. There is hope in your depression. There is hope in your dysfunction. There is hope in that illness. There is hope beyond anything that you're going through. And that hope is found in Jesus. And God brought you here today because he has not given up on you. That's why I need somebody to praise God for the next 10 seconds. Get on your feet and give him some praise. Oh my gosh. Do you believe in Jesus Christ's power? I do. I want some of that. I want some of Jesus today. Oh my. You might as well just stay on your feet for the next two minutes. Just stay up. Let me tell you something about sharing your hope. Celebrate church. It's way bigger than celebrate church. It's way bigger than Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I share with you that my family and I moved from here to Omaha. Meadows Church, a church plant, 21 months old. Two weeks ago, two, a couple from our church was in downtown Omaha. They, they're going into their big apartment complex. There's a, a woman in her 20s, just crumpled up, probably like that guy in the story. She wasn't crippled physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually, crippled, dead, bawling. What's most people probably gonna do? Let's just be honest. You've got, yeah, you're gonna walk by. I mean, if you feel like you're in the holy moment, you might say, hey, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, okay, good. And you go on your way. <sighs> I'm so proud of them. You know what they did? They saw her there in a heap. They got down and they started crying with her and talking to her. And, and, and they started sharing hope with her and they listened to her story. And, and it's, it's a sacrifice, it's not easy. Reaching people for Jesus isn't easy. Okay, living your purpose is not easy. 
Okay, the greatest temptation for a follower of Jesus is to do what's easy rather than what's right. They did what was right, and they're loving her. You know how much time they spent with her? Hours. Hours. They, they, yeah, they get done, and all of a sudden, the guy, that the couple, he calls me. It's like midnight, and I'm, I'm out. I'm zoned out. I'm sleeping. Calls me, and I get the message the next morning. He's like, Monty, met this person. This happened. This happened. We got to get her a Bible. I'm like, dude, I'll get her 10 Bibles. That's, we'll get her a Bible. That'll happen now. She goes to their life group that week. She go, and this woman's struggling in addiction. I mean, her story, I don't want to get too detailed, but she's messed up. She is who we moved to Omaha for, actually. Last weekend, um, Natasha is her name. Natasha came to church. I've never met her, heard the name, prayed with the couple over the phone about her, got her the Bible, or they got her the Bible. I preached the message. I go out to the Welcome Center after the service. I don't know who she is or what she looks like, but I see this woman in her 20s filling out a connection card and bawling. And I'd never seen her before. And I looked and I said, and I just said it. I said, Natasha. And she turned and looked at me. And she said, this is amazing. And you know what I, you know what I told her? I said, there's such hope. And she grabbed me and hugged me and just bawling. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, and by the way, she has her connection card. So we're talking back and forth. And as we're talking and as she's sharing her story of what she's in, and it's a mess right now, but God's in the business of taking messes and turning them into miracles. I don't know if you know that or not. So she hands me her connection card. And as we're talking, those connection cards mean a lot to me because after everybody's gone, after all y'all gone, we look at those cards and we pray over them and that's all we know, that, just what you say. That's what God's doing. And she's talking to me and I look at her card and I'm glancing at her and I see the box chart checked. Today, I give my life to Christ. And I, I was like, oh my gosh. And not only did she give her life to Christ, you guys, but in 21 months at Meadows Church, 193 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ in our church. And that's because of you. That's because of you sharing hope and you sharing life and you investing and you serving and you stepping in. That's why God is moving and he's just getting started. So my question for us today is this. I always tell my church, I'm like, we don't just come and get excited because if we just come and get excited about a message and we do nothing, it's just motivation. And motivation without action is just noise. It's just noise. So my question is, what is God calling you to do? I just kept taking next steps. I didn't feel equipped. I didn't feel like I, was knowing, I knew what I was doing. I'm like, Pastor Keith, I don't know why you believe in me so much. He said, Monty, you keep doing what God, we ask you to do. You keep taking your next step towards Jesus and we'll honor that and God honors that. What is your next step? I'll give you two as we close. Number one, this is huge. I pray to Jesus that you'll take maybe one a week, you'll give it out and say, you know what? Our church is doing this, come. And that's your job. Let, let God do his work. Do it with gentleness. Do it, do it with confidence. The biggest thing is do it. It won't be comfortable. You'll have to get out of your comfort zone. It, but do it, please. If, if Jody and I, if we were never invited by your hairdresser to come to celebrate church, would we live in Omaha? No. What I would probably be dead, to be honest with you. That's where I would probably be. And Jake wouldn't have a daddy and Abel wouldn't have a daddy. Caleb wouldn't have a daddy. Molly wouldn't have a daddy. Share your hope. Share your story. The second action item is, have you given God all of you? My prayer is that you'll surrender your life to Christ wholeheartedly. Don't make the mistake I made most of my life. Don't have head knowledge. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. 
Reading the Bible doesn't make you a Christian. A relationship with Jesus Christ makes you a Christian. You call on his name. You, you ask him to enter into you and make you new and then take your next step in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh, he will do things that are so mighty in your life. Peter, Peter, the biggest misfit in the Bible is, is the church warrior reaching thousands. That can be you and you and you. And that's what God wants. Do not leave this place until you know that you've surrendered everything to Jesus. And think about this. 95% surrender is no surrender at all. You give him that last, because it's always the last 5%. That secret, that mess, that sin, that addiction. Whatever that you're doing, you surrender to Jesus and you watch what he does. I want to pray for you. Father, oh man, your spirit, Holy Spirit fire. We want that in this place today. We don't want that just in this place. We want it in us. I want what that church had. I want people that are on fire for you. Are we messed up? My God, yes. Are we dysfunctional? We are. But you know what? It's okay to not be okay because we serve a God who's more than okay. So we come to you to God, and I boldly pray in the name of Jesus Christ that, that everybody in this place will take a next step towards you, whatever that looks like for them. God, fill us with your power. Fill us with your spirit. Do what only you can do, and we'll continually give you glory and praise. You are a king. You are a savior, and you are a hope dealer of all kind. And we thank you so much for that, God. And we will never stop loving you. We will never stop worshiping you. And we will never stop declaring, God, that in you, the best is yet to come. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. And everybody says, amen, amen and amen.